Hey, welcome back. Say hello on Twitter at Richard Serrett and the website strangeplanet.ca. Hey, it's time to look up to the sky over the next week as a rare comet last seen over 5,000 decades ago is set to pass near the planet. The harmless comet known as C2022E3ZTF or Green Comet. You know, I keep saying this. They got to come up with more, I don't know, more inspiring names or romantic names for these celestial bodies, this comet C2022E3ZTF or Green Comet for short. Anyway, it was last seen during the Stone Age more than 50,000 years ago, a time when Earth experienced an ice age and when mastodons and saber-toothed cats roamed the planet. KTLA sister station KXRM is reporting this. On Thursday, February 2nd, it will pass its closest to Earth again, hurtling between the orbits of Earth and Mars at a relative speed of 128,500 miles per hour. Its nucleus is thought to be about one mile across, while its tail extending millions of miles. Green, from all the carbon in the gas cloud or coma, or comma, uh, surrounding the nucleus, this long-period comet was discovered last May by astronomers using the Zwicky Transient Facility, a wide-field camera at Caltech's Palomar Observatory. That explains its official cumbersome name, Comet C-2020. 2E3ZTF. <laughs> uh, NASA said the comet was discovered inside Jupiter's orbit. Anyway, you can read more about this uh, this comet in the in the news section. Oh, by the way, uh, the comet is visible to the naked eye in the hemisphere's darkest corners, but at 26 million miles away, the best way is to see it through the telescope or binoculars, and in the pre-dawn hours. Again, in the news at coasttocoastam.com. And coming up tonight on Coast to Coast AM, Monday morning into Tuesday, uh, sorry, Monday night into Tuesday, James P. Gray has been a trial judge in Orange County, California, since 1983 and was the 2012 Libertarian candidate for vice president. He'll join George Norrie to share his thoughts about the generation ahead, as well as updates on the abysmal conditions in U.S. prisons, immigration reform, and school choice. In the second half, George welcomes Coriel Kramer, who's been connecting and speaking with animals since she was a child. That's uh, tonight, Monday night. Sorry, yeah, tonight, yeah, tonight's Monday night. Into uh, Tuesday morning, George Norrie on Coast to Coast AM. All right, back to more of your terrific calls. Open Lines continues on Coast to Coast AM right after these. All right, brushes with greatness and rock and roll mysteries and legends. Uh, let's say hi to Frank. He's in Evergreen, Montana. Frank, good morning. Welcome to Coast. Hi. This is great. Hi there. Great show. Uh, I want to talk about oh, one of the greatest Western singers there ever was. It was Leonard Nimoy. Really? Uh, Mr. Spock? <laughs> yes. He, he actually did a song of it. Uh, Johnny Cash's version of uh, "I Walk the Line." And really, he's also he was also a great horseman. He played in a lot of westerns back in the old days, is before the final frontier. He's, he was a frontiersman in black and white uh, videos in those days. And now, was was he recording regularly, or was that kind of a, a one-off, like a novelty-type album? Like William Shatner no, used to record. This, uh, he did a lot of good songs, and he was an artist. Oh. And, uh, he just uh, 
he just had more class than, uh, uh, oh, uh, what's his name? Yeah. Captain Kirk, the Canadian weirdo. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> Obviously, you're not a fan of uh, William Shatner. Now, did when Leonard Nimoy, because I've not heard him sing, did he talk the song or did he sing no, it? No, he actually sang them. Oh. I'll have to check that out. I'm sure I can find it on YouTube. Leonard Nimoy singing Johnny Cash's I Walk the Line. Well, he certainly had that deep voice. I, I can, I could see where he would be able to sing, you know, sing a song like that. Exactly. Yeah, he was very talented, no question. Hey, Frank, great, great call. Thank you for that. Mr. Spock sings Johnny Cash. All right. Um, let's see. Um, let's say hi to John. He's in Ventura, California. Hey, John, welcome to Coast. Good morning. I um, I want to tell you about something that happened back in 1976, but beforehand, to follow up on a couple of your callers, uh, William Shackner was in San Diego yesterday, mm-hmm. and actually he was putting into the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I guess, or whatever the fame is, is for this band called the Cash Cats. These guys do the uh, cover, they do the Cash Johnny Cash's music, and so I thought that was kind of interesting. You were talking about both Yes. William Shackner. So he actually did something yesterday in San Diego at one of the theaters. Now, for me to tell you about what happened to me back in 76, kind of like a full circle, I wanted you to picture back in 76 what the lay of the land was and what was happening. So I, I was, you know, of course, being from Southern California, we we'd hitchhiked to the beach, and so it was real normal. So my brother moved up to Oregon, so I went up there to visit him. And uh, my first day... In Oregon, um, he was uh, going to work, so he dropped me off out in the middle of uh, Grants Pass. It was kind of out that way. And so um, he had to go to work himself, so he kind of dropped me off. And so I went out to the highway to start hitchhiking. And I kid you not, it, it it's like I kept walking and hiking. A bunch of cars come by, and nobody picked up hitchhikers in Oregon. And finally, about after about a good hour and a half of me just walking into town and hitchhiking, finally this... You know, of course, at the time, I had dogs were in the back of trucks barking at me. You see the gun racks in the back of the trucks. And so you're just going, man, what is this Oregon all about? And uh, the hitchhiking wasn't real popular so back then at that time. So what happened was is an hour and a half, two hours later, finally, here I am. I'm I'm 16 years old, and I, I'm just going there. To, I want to, you know, just check out Oregon and party and just have a good time. And so finally, this girl pulls over in a Mustang, and I go, all right, I run up to her, and she's about my age, and I go, wow, this is great. So she takes off, and I go, hey, I said, um, you, you know, you want to smoke some pot? And she's like, no, I don't do that. And I go, oh, my God, even the girls are square here. So, again, you got to remember this is in 76. So I said, just, you know, uh, I said, you know, all I want to do is, you know, just let me out over here. I'll find someone else who wants to party. And she goes, oh, you want to party? He goes, uh, he goes, yeah, you can go out to, like, I don't know which ranch it was. We'll say the Henderson Ranch. And, um, you know, it's out of town outside this way. And he goes, uh, yeah, there's a band playing out there. I go, yeah, really? What's the name of the band? And they go, The Sticks. And I'm going to myself, I got these, you know, gun racks in the back of pickup trucks, dogs barking at me. Nobody's picking up hitchhikers, some chick that doesn't even smoke pot. And I said, oh, these people are like a bunch of hicks out here. And I said, the group is called Sticks. I can see him playing on a washboard and a big drum. And I'm just saying, no, thank you. So what ended up happening at the end of that summer, 
of 76, I got back into, of course, Southern California. I found out that the band, Styx, had a three-and-a-half-day party, 88 kegs, and I didn't go to that party. And I'm telling you, man, I just kicked myself. So mm-hmm. years later, literally, uh, I would say probably 10 years ago, I went to a Styx band in Ventura at the fairgrounds, and I had at that time really long hair, and um, and I mean like long, hurdy, long hair, and so I just went right front stage, just as close as I could get, watching them play the whole time, just jamming out with them. And soon as they're they were completely done, and they walked backstage, after I just kind of snuck right back in there real quick and walked back in there, and so I started talking to the guys, and apparently there wasn't as many original folks at the time, but. Um, I ended up talking to one of the guys and asked him if he remembered that time, and he was the one who said, oh, no, I'm not one of the originals. So I, I was just kind of wanting to talk to them to see about those guys and what they can remember when they started back in Oregon and had that big raging party. But when I left, uh, I just went out the normal way, kind of out where I guess we'll say the people were waiting for the band. And I go walking out all by myself, and I kid you not, people are asking me for my autograph and stuff like that, and I just go, I'm not one of those guys. I'm not them. And so I'm the guy said, I don't care. Just give me an autograph. <laughs> so, <laughs> so loved. And um, so it's, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> All right, John. Great story. Thank you. Uh, with apologies to the fine people of Oregon. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right. Let's say hi to uh, Scott is in Costa Mesa, California. Good morning, Scott. Welcome to Coast. Hey, Richard. Good morning to you. Hi there. Hey, yeah, well, my brush with greatness wasn't really a who, but a what. And back in 1992, I was able to travel in a group called Up With People. And it was really quite amazing. For a full year, they took kids from around the world. And uh, my, my cast, we traveled to 24 states and eight countries in Europe. And we lived sort of the rock style uh, lifestyle. And it was quite amazing. We stayed with host families. And it was just one of those years that is but a dream almost. Uh, They're still around, aren't they? They they are, but not nearly like they were. Uh, You know, they they invented the halftime show for the football NFL. Uh, oh, is that right? Back in the day. And so anyways, just my brush with greatness was that group called Up With People and the Caldwell Brothers and Herb Allen, who wrote songs for that. And it it might not be rock stars, but it was well, a lot of fun. Well, and they did a lot of great work. And they do a lot of great work. Scott, thank you for that. Yeah. Appreciate it. Okay. Uh, do we have time? Yeah, we have time for another one here before the bottom of the hour. Daniel is in Panama City, Florida. Daniel, good morning. Welcome to Coast. Morning. Hi, Richard. Thank you for the, the show and this creative way of finessing the Atlantis disappointment. Oh, that's uh, all right. We'll get them back on. Thanks to all the callers, too. Great stories. Loving it. Oh, they're fantastic. Holly Go Lightly, Audrey Hepburn, um, Moon River, <laughs> and mm. some of the songs. I'm kind of go, going to binge watch, listen to the Lightfoot 1986, um, the one you played earlier. Oh, the, I'll take along. Yes. And all the... Uh, all the Zen. Um, thank you for that. Well, um, <laughs> uh, I have a story. You know, there's a lot of by the wayside um, rock and rollers. And when music videos came out in the 80s and 
like that style of VH1 and MTV and things. Like uh, I ended up meeting several different famous people over my lifetime. We'll go with like the music things though. Um, you, you may have heard of a band called the Spin Doctors, and they have the spin, a, yes, a guitar. Yes. a lot of catchy riffs from uh, Pocketful of Kryptonite and uh, Two Princes. They were pretty famous and had a, a, a tour. Um, I, I dated a girl that w- had dated the guitar player. And when they were doing part of their tour, they were coming through the town I was in, and we got to go VIP and meet the whole band and have a connection with them. I think I was the biggest fan of all, but th- those guys put on a really good show. They, they're so much better than what they get known for, and they're, they're sort of pop-style radio hits. They, they're pretty aggressive, and their bass player stood out more than all the catchy things I thought I knew. Um, and uh, Well, this girl had known uh, Henry Rollins, who's kind of gone into podcasting. He's pretty eloquent yes. and thoughtful. And uh, he had sponsored a band, and she was on MTV giving her middle finger at the end of one of those rock star music videos where this is like the classical classic lead singer died exactly. of an overdose type of thing. But right. uh, like years and years later, I met her and had so many experiences, and she actually introduced me to the Holly Go Lightly, um, Audrey Hepburn, Moon River, which is the only one I knew about, right, until, uh, you know, was it uh, – Andy Williams, wasn't it? Andy Williams, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which is also uh, great, also, but I, I just I, I love the Audrey Hepburn version. It's it's because you know she's she's not known as being you know a professional singer, and it's just so poignant. I when when actors sing, uh, I don't know what it is, but it be, you know it may not be perfect pitch or whatever, but because they're actors, they it, it, I don't know. It just seems it, it feels more powerful and poignant to me. Sure, it was, she was a natural holding the guitar and that acoustic version and. That's the first one I was introduced to with that song, and mm-hmm. I got goosebumps when you played it there when it came on, and I got to thinking I hadn't listened to it in quite a while now, and mm. got a lot of memories in that uh, that song with the, the the girl I dated. She had died too about ten years ago, uh, and uh, I've lost my vision since then, and I kind of reflect on these things visually. I'm sorry. Um, I got a happier story. I mean, uh, you ever heard of a guy named Mick Fleetwood? Oh yes. <laughs> okay, so like when yes. I met him. Like he, I was staying in this alleyway in the 71 Volkswagen West Folly, a pop top that uh, needed the motor replaced. And it just kind of sat for a long time. Mick Fleetwood, I'd seen him drive by in his little green Model T Ford that he would drive around this cute little town where he has a restaurant now called Lahaina. And he would drive by and throw me a little wave. And I've seen him several times. Eventually, he walked right up to me. And he's, I found out he had interest in a red coral necklace that somebody was trying to sell. And probably couldn't come to an agreement about it. You know, the owner of the necklace wasn't going to worship uh, the, the royalty of Mick Fleetwood. But uh, this guy is tall. For those of you that don't know, oh, Mick yes. Fleetwood's very tall. It's a British accent. Yeah. And uh, he had to lean down to say hi to me because I'm only 5'8". <laughs> but, you know, he wanted me to mention, pass a message along to somebody for him to let him know that he wanted to come back. And that's how I subsequently found out that he was interested in this kind of chunky red coral necklace, which... Um, they're quite rare, and there's only a few grandfathered in harvesters of the different black and red and other corals in the Pacific Ocean these days. Um, so that, that's kind of an interesting way. I, I've met Val Kilmer in this same alleyway and seen Steven Tyler just like a normal guy walk by. But that's some alleyway. Really <laughs> well, yeah, you know, they yeah. say you stay in one place long enough and the whole world will pass by. Right. I mean, it just it happened to be like that. I mean, Mike Myers opened up a door in a restaurant in the same town and walked out with his 
think his longtime wife, right? And I was going to open up the door, reach for the handle to walk into this cute little waterfront restaurant, about 20 tables or less in it. Like, and uh, <laughs> when I reach for the doorknob, he opens it up and pulls it and walks right by me, just kind of nonchalant, a little greeting, hello, and just pass right in and have our experience in the restaurant he just enjoyed, right? But yeah. Is it that all that, um, so, all of this happened in Panama City? No, this happened in a town called Lahaina out in the Pacific oh, Islands of Hawaii. Uh, uh, okay. On an island okay. called Maui, and there's right. just a few transient people here in here in Panama City. I met Mario Ferrari, Ferrari Cars, uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr. Looks kind of like me, a little bit shorter. His girlfriend took a double take. I met Emmanuel Lewis. You remember Emmanuel Lewis from Oh yes, yes, that's right. He came in with his entourage. I was 14 years old and worked in the cashier at a McDonald's restaurant that was just like the old 50s type style of wall of, of the, uh, the the look with the CD jukebox. They had a CD jukebox in the front where you could play all the songs from B-52s, Janis Joplin, the Eagles, the Coasters, the Platters, um, you know, uh, uh, the, the all the famous old musicians. I'm kind of drawing sure. a little bit of a blank, but it's really set up with the old shiny red glitter uh, Coca-Cola ice cream sundae type stools in the bar around the window. Oh, yeah. With his for Mike at Tabletops. Yes, yeah. and they had this place really quaffed out, looking super cute and original with a little speedy bolo tie. Daniel, I gotta, Daniel, sorry to cut you off. I gotta, I gotta run. We gotta move into the break here. But uh, great stories. Thank you so much for sharing, my friend. I hope you'll call again, Ronnie Specter. Does it get any better than this? Does it really get any better than this? I can hear music. The Ronettes taking us into the break on Coast to Coast AM. Where have these two hours gone? I've had a great time. And I hope you have too. Thank you for your calls. And we'll get to more of them in a few moments. Scientists have developed a brain implant that is thinner than a human hair and would allow you to use social media with your mind. Oh, great. Newsflash, still no cure for cancer. Uh, why? Why? Anyway, the, uh, the highly experimental chip is designed for, well, this is a good thing, uh, paralyzed or mute patients People with paralysis who cannot use their limbs to communicate via a computer. Well, that's a good thing. Uh, but it could also allow healthy people to use social media with the power of their mind alone. It differs from the brain implant created by Elon Musk's company because the procedure is less invasive and the chip sits on the surface of the brain rather than the tissue or in the tissue. The implant is called the Layer 7 Cortical Interface. And it's a strip of flexible thin film material like a piece of scotch tape. The strip has electrodes on and has a thickness uh, that is one-fifth of a human hair, which helps it to conform to the brain surface without damaging any tissue. The implementation is also reversible if patients change their mind. The device has successfully decoded brain signals in animals and precision. The company behind this hopes to get FDA approval to test the implant in humans in the next few months. You can read more of this story in the in the news section up at coast to coast am.com. All right, back to more of your calls right here on coast to coast am. All right, more of your brushes with greatness and rock and roll mysteries. First time caller Ron is in Arkansas. Ron, welcome to coast. Richard, it's a pleasure to talk to you. I love what you do with the show and I love your strange planet podcast. Oh, I thank you for that. Thank you, Ron. Yes, sir. I'm a 1965 baby, so in 1986, I would have been at the advent of turning 21 that summer, and the girl that I was dating at the time and I decided to go to a rock show, 
And this would have been at the Arkansas State Fair and Livestock Grounds, which housed the old Barton Coliseum. Mm-hmm. Now, this was the venue that hosted every rock show in the 70s, 80s, up until the 90s. And it was kind of known back then amongst all the rockers that you could go to the back of the building and they had all the cattle gates and chutes. They loaded the cattle in for the livestock shows. And if you climbed these gates, you could get backstage. Ah. So, yes, sir. So me being 20 and braver than I was bright, me and my <laughs> girlfriend go back there, climb the gates. And lo and behold, Connie Hamsey is backstage. Now, she is known worldwide as sweet, sweet Connie of Grand Funk Railroad fame. Ah, right, right. Now, she's a character in and of herself, but a young man wandered out and very amicable, very friendly. His name was Dave Amato. He is the current guitarist for REO Speedwagon, but at the time, he was touring with none other than Ted Nugent. Ah, okay. So Dave, very kind, very uh, friendly fella. He got us backstage passes, took us backstage, and I met Ted. And let me tell you what, he's a colorful fella. Oh, yes, to say the least. Wango Tango. Man, his language is quite salty. (laughs) Yeah. he, He really liked my girlfriend, and... He told me so in so many um, flowery words, and he's, like Mick Fleetwood, he's extremely tall. I'm 5'7", so anytime I said anything, he had to bend way down and basically put his ear to, to my mouth because he's almost completely deaf. He has, he's very hard of hearing. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes, sir, but... He was very, very uh, gracious. He told us to welcome ourselves to anything in craft services, and we stood and talked a little bit about hunting in Michigan. And he and Dave peeled off to go watch 38 Special, who was the headliner. And so my girlfriend and I figured we had our Ted Nugent story, so we made ourselves a couple of turkey sandwiches and headed out. (laughs) Nice, nice. (laughs) I will say this. They were very good turkey sandwiches. <laughs> uh, the question is, did Ted Nugent shoot the turkeys with his bow? <laughs> no, you know, I, th- I think they came out of a plastic package, so I would surmise. <laughs> okay. All right. Great call, Ron. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. The Nuge. Uh, let's say hi to Clarence is in San Diego, California. Hey, Clarence, good morning. Sarah. Mr. Serrett, thank you for Hi there. the last few hours. We appreciate it. Thank you. Wonderful. It's been great. It, um, you've ex- your bumpers have expanded my musical library. Ah, oh, wonderful. That's what I shoot for. <laughs> you know, I just had a, a question. Um, your thoughts, your opinions on Joe Satriani, Steve Vai, as compared to Jimi Hendrix, Page, Clapton, and Beck. Uh, I have to be honest. I don't, I, I mean, I, I know who, I've heard of Joe Satriani, and I know people often refer to him as a guitarist, guitar, guitarist, guitarist. 
and that he's incredibly, you know, proficient and talented, but I haven't, you know, I haven't sat down and really listened to a lot of Joe Satriani. What do you think of that? Do you think less of me now? No, 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 not at all. (laughs) Have you ever ever seen, uh, excuse me, have you ever seen that movie, uh, um, shoot, it escapes, is it? It escapes me now, but it's with uh, that actor Machio and... Ralph Machio? Yes. From The Karate Kid? Yeah, yeah, that guy. And um, they go down to the Delta. Crossroads, Crossroads. That's the movie. Steve I has a a section in that. Have you ever seen that movie? I think I have, yes. Yes, I've certainly talked about The Crossroads a lot over the years. The Robert Johnson story. Well, you know, you know what? I love your musical knowledge and uh, giving us. Well, I appreciate that, Clarence. I'll have to, you know, I'll have to. Uh, that's I've certainly been uh, negligent in not and uh, not listening to Joe Satriani. You know, he reminds me of because I, you know now he's got the bald head and and um, he, he reminds me of Paul Schaefer. Um, Another very talented musician from, I think, I think he's from Thunder Bay, Paul Schaefer. All right. Appreciate the call, Clarence. Uh, let's say hi to uh, Steve is in Pittsburgh. Hey, Steve. Welcome to Coast. Hi. You really have a lot of knowledge about entertainment. Uh, I met uh, B.J. Thomas and an actor named Clifford James, and I'll tell you about him real quickly. Uh, but uh, – uh, in 1975, <clears throat> my girlfriend and I were in Las Vegas. We had just driven across the desert, uh, checked into a motel, and we saw a billboard. B.J. Thomas was appearing at this little lounge. And uh, we went over there, and there was, you know, he had trouble with drinking and uh, drugs at that time. And he, we used to see him back east in Syracuse area uh, when he did big, big shows, you know, at uh, – uh, places. Well, anyway, in Vegas, he was doing a little uh, lounge because he couldn't get the uh, big uh, uh, audiences at that time. And there was, there was probably, including my girlfriend and I, uh, six people in the lounge. But he oh, came dear. out. He he came out, and he did a uh, a, a program that was. Uh, like for an audience of 10,000, 20,000 people, really. And he sang, and we had a table right next to the uh, little stage there. He shook our hands. We gave him a standing ovation, and uh, we were just crazy. And uh, I shook both of our hands, and he did this show. And his voice was just like on the records. Uh, he had a wonderful voice. Well, we went back the next day. He was staying at this big hotel there. He did his show. There were a few more people that day, and he and he had a bodyguard, a little cowboy-looking dude, and he was staying at that hotel, and they went out a side door and go into the uh, elevators. Well, we followed him through the casino, and uh, he stopped to get uh, cigarettes uh, uh, by the elevator, and we got talking to him and said we were great fans, and he was such a friendly guy. He said, well, if you ever asked us where we were from, and if we ever see him again, you know, try to uh, uh, meet him again. And just real nice guy. Uh, 
Now the other That's guy, a professional. That's a professional, right? Six people in the house and he puts on, you know, he just gives it 110%. That's a professional. After he passed away not long ago, uh, I was reading all these uh, different people that had run into him at the airport or, you know, different places, uh, sort of like we did. And they all said the same thing. It was friendly. He wasn't, you know, trying to get rid of us or anything quickly, anything like that. Yeah, he was fantastic. But uh, Clifford James, a lot of people don't know his name, but he appeared in Superman 2 uh, um, with, uh, what was that other big movie I'm trying to think of with, uh, well, anyway, he, he, anyway, I met him at a golf tournament in Houston, Texas. They had a tent with free beer for the uh, guys that were uh, playing golf there. Uh, and uh, so he said, well, they're having, it was ending the uh, tournament. He said, we're having a big party at this hotel, Four Seasons Hotel down the road. He said, why don't you meet me in the uh, bar and we'll go into the main room and they'll have, you know, free food and booze and all that. So I did meet him in the bar. So we had a few drinks. He liked to, he liked to drink a lot. But he always played, uh, like I said, he did uh, about 90 movies. And I think you mean uh, Clifton yeah. James. Clifton James. Clifton. Yeah, Clifton. And uh, yeah. he he was uh, he started out as a school teacher up there in uh, Oregon, I believe, and uh, then he became an actor. But uh, he uh, always played a Southern sheriff, usually. Uh, Cole Handler. Yeah, he was in. Yeah, he, yes, Cole Cool Hand Luke, and he was also in one of the James Bond movies. He played that Southern. Uh, um, now, which one was that? Uh, um, Superman. Superman. No, but he was in a yes, but he was in a James Bond movie, and he played a Southern sheriff. Yeah, and uh, of course, he pulls James Bond over, and um, he says something like, "You know, uh, you, you're a one man demolition team, or something like that." <laughs> yeah, yeah, he. And he, he smoked cigars in his movies, and he did that in person, too, at the bar that we were at. And uh, he said uh, when he first started out, uh, he was uh, – George C. Scott was his roommate in New York City when they were both uh, starting out. And he worked as a security guard until he could get in uh, show business in New York. And uh, he was saying about George C. Scott. He said he was brilliant, but he was crazy at the same time. Ah. He, put his, he put his hand through a glass uh, door and cut his hand, and he had to take him to the ER and get patched up. And uh, uh, But he was, he was a character. Yeah. yeah. Live and Let Die, that was the James Bond movie that he was in. Um, uh, he played the sheriff, Sheriff J.W. Pepper, opposite, uh, well, not opposite. He wasn't a co-star, but uh, that was the Roger Moore film, Let Live and Let Die. Yeah, he was a terrific character actor. Uh, thank you so much for that. Uh, let's see. Let's say hi to Jay in Auburn, Auburn, California. Hey, Jay, welcome. Thank you. Yeah, good morning. In 1968, I was a young 22-year-old staff sergeant stationed in Karat. Thailand, and uh, I didn't enjoy the GI bars that much, so I would walk around the city out away from everything else, and I found this Thai hotel with a little small bar on the bottom floor, 
And I used to go there and sit, and a lot of times I'd be the only one there. And I was there one night, and a gentleman came in and wanted to know if he could sit next to me. And he started, he wanted to talk about his son. His son was playing football for Arizona University at the fullback. And the long story short, it happened, here I am, 22 years old, and it happened to be Doc Blanchard, if you know who he is. Doc Blanchard, no. Heisman no. Trophy winner for West Point, 1953. Oh, okay. Mr. Inside. There and you go. at the time, he was the commander of the F-105 wing on Karat. So he was a 22-year-old 20, kid <laughs> meeting him. In a small wow. hotel in Bangkok. Yeah, of all the of all the places in Bangkok, no less. Amazing. No, not Bangkok. A karat. A karat. But, okay. Yeah, yeah. Appreciate the call, Jay. Thank you. Uh, I think I can work in one more. Let's say hi to Milo, who's in Las Vegas. Milo, good morning. Welcome to Coast. Well, good morning, Richard. How are you today? I'm well, thank you. Uh, back in 2006... I'm a local Las Vegas musician, keyboard player. I was playing at the Hilton in the uh, Hilton uh, band there, actually, for a show called Lunchtime with Ira. And one of the guests was going to be none other than Denny Lane from Ah, Paul McCartney and Wings Band. Yeah. And the interesting thing about that was uh, he wanted to do Go Now. But we didn't really have time to rehearse it. He kind of just showed up. And I had to, you know, instantly kind of learn this song, you know. <laughs> so he he gave me the tempo. It's kind of an odd song to play because it's in six eight meter, you know. Okay. So it's kind of like a waltzy kind of doom 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 doom. You know what I mean? Kind of right. feel to it, which is odd for a rock song because most rock songs are in four four, right? Right. right. So anyway, uh, before the cameras start rolling, we're rehearsing this song, right? So I had the tempo that he wanted, the sounds, everything. Everything was perfect. So we're starting to roll, right? We get introduced and all that. And I start the song, and I played it the exact tempo that he, you know, said he wanted it. So he's he's making these motions, like, for me to speed it up <laughs> right on <laughs> camera, right? And I thought to myself, I can't do that. You know, in the interest of being professional, you know, I got to keep forging ahead, right? So about a minute or two later into the song, he turns around and he starts smiling at me as if, oh, yeah, this is great. <laughs> so he changed his mind, you know, right on camera. You know? <laughs> good for you, you, you for, on for, for hanging tough you know. there. Huh? Great. I say good for you for hanging tough. <laughs> well, I just, you know, I'm a professional musician, you know. Like yes, him. you are. I, uh, I just couldn't understand why he would do that on camera. You know, but anyway, you right, can right. see it. Milo plays uh, with Denny Lane on YouTube, and you can oh, see I'll all check it out. Happening. Yeah. Hey, Milo. Great call. Great. Thank you. It for was that. a great track. Yeah. I'll check it out. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Great story. All right. Wow, those two hours flew by, and thank you. They flew by because you're such great company, all of you. Thank you, George Norrie, George Knapp, Lisa Lyons, Stephanie Smith, Tom Danheiser, Dan Galati, Chris Burroughs, Michael Cosio, Donna Walker. And Lex Lonehood, I'm Richard Serrett. Thank you for your ears and your voices, your beautiful voices. 
Until next time, so long for now.